My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. When it was late that same day, in the first of the week, <clears throat> though the doors where the disciples gathered had been closed for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be to you. Our Lord didn't waste much time before coming to the apostles. We were told that the doors had been closed for fear of the Jews. The very people that the apostles were supposed to be evangelizing, they were hiding themselves away from, hiding in fear and dread of those very people. <clears throat> but yet Jesus came. Powerful words. The verb attached, the verb attached to the holy name in Scripture, can be very powerful. Our Lord comes. He comes through closed doors. He comes through closed hearts, doors of hearts that may be close to him. We find that we are knocking on doors of hearts that are closed. Well, maybe over time, with the grace of God, our Lord will, will come in there. And also to our own hearts that may be closed a little bit in certain areas that need to be more open. Or if there are areas of our life where we're sort of hiding away like the apostles were. And our Lord invites us to have a deep impact on our environment, on society, on people. <clears throat> we have to let him come through those closed doors and lead us out from behind those places to the great horizons that he has planned for us. And so he came. We could ask our Lord in this period after Easter that he also might come to us come into our hearts and transform them into our souls, lead us on to a higher level, help us to be more Christ-like, help us to go through that same transformation that the apostles are going through in these hours and days, a gradual growth in their faith, and having almost none to going forward to being great saints and great apostles. And our Lord stood in their midst, right bang smack in the middle of them, as though inviting them to do precisely the same in relation to other people, to be in the middle of the world, to be in the middle of our friends, the middle of our environment, <coughs> concerned about that environment to change it, to lift it up onto a different level. And he said, peace be to you. The first words of our Lord to the apostles after he rises from the dead are words of peace. He could have exploded. He could have called them all the things that he called the Pharisees for all their infidelity and their weakness. You brood of vipers, you whitewashed walls. 
but he builds them up peace he calms them down and he builds them up he's winning them again little by little in our dealings with souls we could also learn from this you have to bring peace to people peace to their hearts peace to their souls to their minds to their imagination may our first words with people around us also be words of peace so that they feel peaceful in our company they don't feel threatened we win souls with that peace souls of peace and joy because that's what christ did and that's our role everywhere to see how i can bring a little bit of peace and joy to this particular situation or workplace or get together or gathering of people and when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side <coughs> immediately our lord begins to speak to them about the crucifixion He shows them that it is truly him that has risen. Resurrects it, secretics it. He has risen as he promised. And these wounds that he has in his hands and inside, these are his DNA. Come follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. <coughs> if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. He shows them these wounds to prove that it is truly him. To show that they must have faith in those wounds. He seems to invite, seems to invite them to enter into those wounds, to find their strength, their consolation, their fire. Because love is there in those wounds. And he seems to invite them also to be like him to give themselves completely. He's now calling them again. He called them the first time in the boat, come follow me. But now he's calling them again, building them up onto a new supernatural level, helping them to see new aspects of their vocation, new heights and new depth, new seriousness. And he's building them up from nothing. And he's saying to them that all that has to be built on the cross, on a unity to his person, a deeper unity, unity to his wounds. Enter into the wounds of Christ crucified. As though telling them that it's in and through those wounds that you will find all the answers. In Christ we find the meaning and the purpose of our life. The disciples therefore rejoiced at the sight of the Lord. There are sort of three movements in this particular drama. There's the apparition of our Lord. There's him showing them the proof that he's truly risen. And there's their reaction. They rejoiced at the sight of the Lord. And so now that fear of the Jews that was dominating them fear and sadness is dispelled they rejoice at the sight of the Lord Lord may we also may we also find our joy in seeing you in people in places in things and events in uniting ourselves to you in the blessed sacrament 
<coughs> in rejoicing in our possession of you and Holy Communion each day, so that that joy fires us up. He therefore said to them again, Peace be to you. As though the first time was not enough. And now our Lord repeats those words of peace, emphasizes peace. I want you to be calm, serene, peaceful always. Peaceful not just because of your chemistry, but peace because you know that I am truly risen. It is me. I am the source of your peace and of your joy. And I want you to have so much peace that you radiate it to other people. And so peace is a gift of the Holy Spirit. There was a man in Singapore once who used to travel a lot to different countries and, well, was a cooperator and was very interested and curious, wanted to know more about the work. And when he went to visit different countries, sometimes he would go to visit a center of the work one time he was chatting to me and he said, you know, I've discovered what it is that makes all the members of Opus Dei similar. And of course, St. Jose Maria used to emphasize that we are not similar. We're all very different individuals, very distinct. And I was very curious to find out what it was that this man had discovered that made everybody similar. And he said, it's their peace. <clears throat> now, if you ask any member of Opus Dei if they feel peaceful, They'll probably tell you, well, no, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to finish my norms, I'm trying to do apostles, I've got a to-do list as long as a mile, and I'm trying to get through it, and I've got to go here, I've got to collect my children from school, or do all these other things. But really what he was saying, in spite of all of that, the struggle, the battle of each day, there's a gift of the Holy Spirit, the souls of people who try to live their Christian vocation well, a gift that possibly the people themselves are not so much aware of, but other people see it. Gaudium compatri, a joy with peace. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And so now our Lord speaks about mission. The very purpose of their existence. That target that has to give meaning to the whole of their life. Lord, help me to be very focused on mission. <coughs> fired up about my mission to bring peace to so many people around me because of my unity to you. And so the peace is very much tied up to the mission and the joy that they have tied up also. Our mission is to bring Christ to other people with our words, with our actions, with our life, with our lifestyle. It's all about mission. And they're going to be apostles, they're going to be sent. They're learning more now about their apostolate, about what they're sent to, what's their goal. This is to be the mission for their life. Our Lord wants them committed to that mission. So he talks to them very early about it. I don't want you here cowering in fear behind closed doors. I want you out there having an impact. St. Jose Marie used to say we have to open up like a fan. Out of a hundred souls, we're interested in a hundred. It's not that we're out of a hundred, we're interested in two or three. No, it's a hundred. It's a total 
vision. It's a hundred percent commitment. It's a wonderful idea. And that's why our apostolate has to fire us up. We have to be enthused. We have to think big. The breadth and length and height of the world. We're interested in every last environment. And our Lord wants to use us as his instruments, like he used the apostles. He's going to send them to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, he breathed upon them. There's quite a lot happening in this short little drama. He breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now these days of Easter are like a, a period of preparation for the Holy Spirit. who's going to bring his fire his knowledge and his truth. He's going to complete all the things that our Lord has done. The beginning of the church, or the final stone, if you like. And so our Lord breathes upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. And he speaks to them about the sacrament of confession. Emphasizing that's a it's a very personal thing. Whose sins you shall forgive. So the apostles have to make a judgment. The priest has to make a judgment. It's instituted by way of judgment. You judge about the contrition of the penitent. Whether to give them absolution or whether not to give them absolution. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. And so in this very short passage, our Lord has changed the game, changed the whole scenario, broken down the doors and the barriers, lifted them up, instilled them with peace, spoken to them about all the graces that he's achieved on the cross, which they are to administer through the sacraments. And also given them the Holy Spirit. And so the stage is set. They haven't quite appreciated what, what has happened. It's all too early. But our Lord has made it very clear. It's not a plan for the coming days. But then our Lord, having done most of the talking in this early part of the drama, the scripture switches to Thomas. Of all the apostles. We focus on Thomas, doubting Thomas. The example of the greatest lack of faith that there could be. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Very providentially, he wasn't there, because now he's going to play a greater role. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Now you would think, that's those would be the sweetest words that any of the apostles could have, could have heard. But he said to them, unless I see his, in his hands the print of the nails, and I put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. It's a very interesting, defiant assertion of lack of faith or against faith not just a, a casual rejection of what the, the apostles who were his friends, his confidants. You would think that as soon as he heard something from 
these people so close to him, they would have enough credibility, <coughs> but nobody seems to have too much credibility in in Tom's circle of friends, in Thomas' circle of friends. I will not believe. It's as though his words could be on the lips of every uh, atheist or agnostic for all time. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails. I want authentic proof. I want it before my eyes. And so Thomas remains in his lack of belief for quite a while. Because then we're told that after eight days, the disciples were again inside. So eight days have passed. Of Thomas still resisting to believe anything that his brothers have told him. But then we're told Jesus came. Jesus comes again. So he comes specifically for Thomas. Come specifically for all those who refuse to believe so that they might have faith. And so the message of Easter is a message of beginning again in faith, of growing in an Easter faith. It's followed with hope and joy and optimism and a new beginning in our apostolic life, a new launching out into the deep as though we never did anything before like our Lord saying to them or inviting them to say to themselves well look let's wipe the slate clean no more messing in my in my life in my vocation in my apostolic mission now I want to begin again in earnest that's what our Lord is eliciting from them Jesus came the doors being closed and stood in their midst so they're still a bit behind the closed doors <coughs> our Lord has spoke to them, he's invited them, but they haven't yet fully responded. They're still a bit slow with dull apart. The magnificent change that was going to come at Pentecost hasn't yet happened. They're not yet fully converted again. Their weakness is very apparent. And again he said to them, peace be to you. And then he said to Thomas, and so immediately our Lord focuses on Thomas. And he's going to speak to Thomas with a great affection, very calmly. Again, he could have exploded at Thomas. You're so reticent in your lack of belief, you could have given out to him. But he speaks to him pretty gently. Bring here your finger and see my hands. Bring here your hand and put it into my side. And be not unbelieving, but believing. And so we see our Lord's immense tolerance for all the weaknesses of the apostles. It's a continuing tolerance. But he draws spiritual strength from this. There are messages, there are lessons. And for each one of us, he invites us to grow in faith. We find that we're a bit like Thomas in some ways, or we're weak in our faith, or there are new horizons being opened up in front of us. Or we see things like the current contradictions, and we wonder what's happening. Well, we know omni and volum. All things turn out for the good. God is doing wonderful things in souls. 
And these days, the concerns that we might have or the questions, like Thomas, well, we ask our Lord to use this period for a great apostolic bonanza, great spiritual bonanza in the world, in our corporate apostolic works, in everything that we're involved in, so that the graces may flow. And Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God, we're not told that Thomas actually took his finger and put it into his side and put his other finger into the hands of our Lord. We're just told that our Lord showed them or invited him. And that was enough. The scales fell from his eyes. And so he covers this immense distance, 180 degree change, from such a defiant assertion of his lack of faith a profound act of faith expressed in those few words, my Lord and my God. Lord, help me to make little acts of faith from time to time. To say to you those words of Thomas, possibly particularly at the moment of the consecration, increase my faith, increase my hope, increase my love. Help me to change on the inside, to grow to be a greater apostle of faith, to launch out into the deep a little more. Until it's a monumental assertion now of faith. And coming from where he has come from, it's even greater. And so in this short passage, our Lord invites the whole world to follow the pathway of Thomas. To find that faith. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so our Lord talks about the blessedness of all those who are to come in future generations, which includes us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Lord, help me to be a person of greater faith, to grow in that faith day by day. To have great confidence in the Infusion of grace and faith that comes into my soul every time I receive the sacraments. The infused virtues of faith, of hope, and of charity. So that with the father of the handicapped person in the gospel, I can say, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, I want to believe, but I seem to have so much unbelief. Take away all this unbelief. Make me into a, a different person. Very often, the miracles in our Lord's life occur because of faith. The centurion, the woman with the issue of blood, the daughter of the ruler, Bartimaeus, all of them are cured because of their faith. And so our Lord invites us to make those acts of faith concrete way frequently a faith in our Christian vocation a faith where we've been placed a faith to work where we're asked where it is needed put aside our personal tastes a faith in the difficulties of the contradictions that might face us on a daily basis because we know that God is with us and to realize also the weakness of our reason. Our reason can very quickly become unreasonable. 
when we look at things only from a human perspective, we don't see the full picture. We have to try and look at things, situations, people, places, through the eyes of faith. The situation of the world, the battles in our apostolate for the family, for truth, for goodness, for beauty. God is pure light. And Christ the light has come again into the lives of the apostles to enlighten them. I am the light of the world. And he wants them to bring this light to every last person. And so Lord, help me to remember that I am a bearer of the light. You've lit a light in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, in my words. And I have to try and spread that light to bring it to so many people who may be walking in darkness. Because they also need the light. They're hungry for the light. Help me to take care of my formation. Every little bit of it. Sometimes in a, a means of formation, in a circle, in a class, in a chat, we can pick up a word, a phrase, which possibly can be the vehicle that God wants to use to bring immense light into families, into a soul to minds and to hearts. Work on to the very end, we're told in the forge. Work on to the end, to the very end, my child. It is the one who perseveres right to the end who will be saved. To work on with faith in this particular thing that has been entrusted to us. We children of God have the means we need, you too. We will finish, we will top out our building. For we can do all things in him who strengthens us. With God there are no impossibles, they are overcome always. And so in the work that God has given us to do, which may be hidden silent in the background, not seen immediately but seen by God, is the great motors of faith. Christianity has been a great motor of change in the world through people who have worked with faith. I can do all things in him who strengthens me, he says. With him, there is no possibility of failure. This conviction gives rise to the holy superiority complex, whereby we take on things with the spirit of victory, because God grants us his strength. The narrative of our Lord with the apostles in these situations is filling them with that superiority complex that he wants them to have. We have the answers, we have the truth, we have the light. Now he wants them to go forth and spread it around the place. Wants them to have a spirit of victory because God is with us. Look here, my hands and my side. I've overcome the devil. I've overcome death. I've overcome sin. I've overcome evil. My child said, St. Rosemary in the fort, you can do nothing on the supernatural level through your own strength. Whereas when you become God's instrument, you can do everything. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. For in his goodness, he wishes to use inadequate instruments like you and me. Our Lord precisely has chosen the worst. We know that we are the worst. God could have chosen much better instruments. But by using us, with our faith in what we're doing, 
God is going to truly show that the work is his. And so St. Joseph Maria was given this little seed back in Madrid in 1928 to spread to the ends of the earth. And we're part of that story. It's a story of faith, greatness. Remain in me and I in you. <clears throat> Christianity is the religion of remaining in God. And we remain in him well, through the norms of our plan of life, our spiritual reading, our presence of God, our rosary, our sacraments, so that we can dream, to dream with faith. When it's dark, you can see the stars. There might be dark moments in our life where we don't see things clearly, but we look up and we see stars, faraway planets that God wants us to conquer, amazing realities. And this is how all the saints lived. And so we're invited not just to make acts of faith from time to time, but to live by faith, our bread and butter, have a daring faith, faith in the future, faith in this present moment, faith that all things will work out well, that God is working behind the scenes, doing all sorts of things. There were times in Our Lady's life when she didn't understand, but she acted with faith in his word. There were many times in the life of the apostles when they didn't understand, but they acted also with faith in his word. At your word, I will lower the net. And so we could ask Our Lady that like her, we also might respond with faith to whatever we're told. And to see this little thing that we're asked to do is being asked of us with faith and being asked that we might respond with faith. Do this little thing now. Go here, go there. Turn left, turn right. Take care of this particular thing. Well, we have to try and see the will of God behind all of those things so that we can respond with that faith. And when we hear or see something that's asked of us, that very clearly has come from those who have the greatest state, which has come from God, then we could ask Our Lady that we might respond like Thomas did, with a humble act of faith, my Lord and my God. If this is what you want, well then help me to fulfill it. Help me to change, help me to grow. Help me to put my whole heart and soul and mind into this thing that you may be asking of me. And as St. John Paul liked to say, Our Lady was the woman of faith that's put into practice. Mary, may you truly help us to put our faith truly into practice. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.